Hey y'all, welcome to the 20th episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. I'm crunk. <laughs> I'm so excited because I'm blessed because this is the 20th episode. Welcome to Love 20. Um, So if this is your first time listening, welcome to my podcast. But if this isn't your first time listening, you've been listening since the jump. Thank you so much for riding with me for this long. So in this show, I'm going to talk about your regular news and gossip-ish because there's been a lot that's been going on. Um, Even on today, a lot has been announced today. And um, I'm going to be talking to my boyfriend, Najakwin McCoy, as we discuss, you know, our wrestling journey um, as fans separate and together. And then I'm going to talk about the weekly shows. So sit back, relax and listen and enjoy this 20th episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. right so in your news and gossip ish we had some breaking news pop off today so i would like to send a special congratulations to brie bella and daniel bryan and the birth of their baby boy um their boy was born on yesterday and they haven't revealed the first name of little boy but um they announced on instagram and basically on people magazine that they had their child and he's healthy and doing good so that's really cool so as you um may or may not know brie bella who was part of the bella twins collective with her um sister Nikki Bella um her they were both pregnant and Brie Bella has been has basically been married to Daniel Bryan for about maybe four years five years right right around now and they've also and they also have a daughter by name of Birdie Joe Danielson so Birdie Joe is a big sister now and that's like amazing because I know for myself um I became a big sister at the age of seven and that was an amazing undertaking and I love my sister so very dearly shout out to Jackie so they had their baby but then also in some more cool news nikki bella had her baby too with artem and they had a boy (laughs) so both of the twins were set to give birth right around the same time their due dates were two weeks apart from each other at least that's how it was predicted by the doctors but they had their babies in the same weekend so congratulations to the bella twins and their husbands slash fiancés and their babies um but in a little bit of sad news um new japan pro wrestling legend mark rollerball rocco passed away at the age of 69 as reported by ben hendry of the press and journal um he was best known as black tiger to american fans as a former wwe junior heavyweight champion when wwe had a collective agreement going on with new japan pro wrestling now in the promotion all-star all-star wrestling he held the world heavy middleweight championship three times and he was also a two-time british heavy middleweight champion and a british lightweight light heavyweight champion so we send our condolences to the Rocco family during this hard time and I hope and pray that any wrestler or any family members that were incredibly close to him you know are finding comfort in this time of bereavement also in the news we have the location of SummerSlam being up in the air 
So WrestleVotes reported that the links that WWE are going to to find a location for SummerSlam are both astonishing and outlandish. And that apparently WWE has looked into hosting the pay-per-view within the north northeastern part of the United States as an at an outdoor location with limited fans and have found no interested states in allowing that to happen. Because as you know, with the pandemic going on, there really isn't a lot of places that's having live events as of right now. And since the pandemic has started, WWE has been having their pay-per-views, including WrestleMania this year, at the Performance Center in Orlando. But considering SummerSlam is probably the second or third biggest event next to the Royal Rumble in WrestleMania, they want to do it big, right? And there were also some rumors on Twitter that they were thinking about even having it on a cruise ship. I mean, but at this point, are cruise ships even happening? So, I don't know. Um, I feel like they would be better off just having SummerSlam at the Performance Center because it's not like, you know, we would judge them for it or think any less of them for it anyway. Um, but what a lot of people are saying is they're just looking into finding a place for SummerSlam because of ratings or whatever. But quite honestly, I feel like the diehard fans will stick stick through and watch it regardless of anything else. So... I think wherever they decide to have it will be cool, but I feel like as long as they keep people safe, then that's all that truly matters. Now, if they decide to have limited fans, I feel like I would feel weird about that considering there really there really isn't any room for people to be gathering at a place, you know, and being in danger of catching the virus, but I mean, if that's but in terms of them just having it at the performance center it would just be a little less um risky so here's hoping they figure that out and also we have the official signing of leon ruff and anthony green so um a few weeks ago i had announced that wwe had basically bought and acquired evolve wrestling who they have been working with you know and acquiring talent from for years now with through nxt so they've signed two more evolve stars and Anthony Green, who's 26 years old, has basically been a mainstay in the Northeast independent scene for several years. And then he launched the Zero USA Northeast promotion in 2019. And also in terms of Leon Ruff, I'm pretty sure you've seen him a couple of times as a jobber um, on Monday Night Raw, on SmackDown, NXT main event, and even recently on 205 Live. And he's kind of like this sort of skinny i don't want to say he's i don't want to describe him as this as a skinny black dude but that's really what he is he's a skinny um black dude with a beautiful smile and he has been signed to the company officially now and then he's also the boyfriend of aja smith the very first black female nxt referee they've ever had and they've been together for a year so congratulations to mr green and to mr ruff so there's a lot also another thing that happened this week was um online they were doing all kinds of farewells to Kyrie Sane who officially like made her last appearance on WWE television this past Monday on Raw in a segment in which she was being attacked by Bailey which I'll talk more about in a second um she was attacked and she was screaming for Asuka to help her and she was in the locker room but then when she came out Asuka came out looking very distraught 
So I believe this was her way of being written off of television. And Kyrie is now going back to Japan to be with her, you know, husband and her family. And so online, you had plenty of wrestlers, you know, just talking about how wonderful of a worker she was, just how positive she was as a person and everything, and just how much they're going to miss her. There was even a video on um, WWE's YouTube page, you know, talking about her farewell match, which was against Bailey on Raw, and how... And how much everyone was going to miss her. You had Asuka talking about it because they were in a tag team together, the Kabuki Warriors. And then you had Akira Tozawa who said that she would always, he would always be by her side. And Shinsuke Nakamura. So everybody gave their warm farewells this week to her. And I wish her nothing but the best because she has nothing to be ashamed of in her career because a lot of people online were saying oh she didn't do that much you know when she was in wwe no she actually did quite a bit you know she was a two-time women's tag team champion with oscar she was the very first winner of the may young classic and she's been an, and she's been an nxt women's champion so if it's enough for her to go this far and you know leave of her own volition then that's perfectly fine and i wish her absolutely nothing but the best her and that insane elbow was probably the best thing i've ever seen and i just hope that she goes on to do amazing things <sighs> all right so now we're gonna go to my interview with najaquin mccoy All right, we're here with a very special guest. Um, if you know, if you listen to one of my earlier episodes I, where I discussed love and wrestling, I discussed how my boyfriend has sort of changed my life for the better in terms of not only just being a wrestling fan, but just in life, period. But here he is. He's on the show, and we're going to interview him right now. This is Najaquin McCoy, the love of my life. Hello. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start um, with the question that I ask all of my guests. Um, when did you fall in love with wrestling? Um, when did I fall in love? Mm-hmm. Might be the cop-out answer, but honestly, I fell back in love full-time after the CM Punk part. A pipe bomb. Oh, really? Yeah. I, you know, I grew out of wrestling. Like, right when the Ruthless Aggression era was kicking off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, every time I would pass by, whether my grandma or family member was watching it, the only names that would truly stand out to me were Randy Orton, of course, Cena, because Cena was actually so big at the time that even if you weren't watching it, you knew who he was. And of course, the older names that was there during the Attitude Era or WCW times, like Big Show, those guys, Rey Mysterio, all those. And CM Punk, he always stood out to me, even when I I wasn't watching it. Every time I would, you know, stick my head in and see, there was something about CM Punk that always stuck out to me. So in college, when I was starting to get back into it, you know, I was just, you know, watching it for something to watch. And then the pipe bomb happened and I was just like, yo, this is it. Like, so 
CM Punk's pipe on is what I guess inevitably made me fall in love with it again. Okay. Now you did mention there was a point in which you grew out of it, which you in which you mentioned like the ruthless aggression era, which kind of leads into my next question. Um, I was going to ask you had there ever been a point where you stopped watching wrestling and and what made you get back into it? So you basically answered you know questions one and two together. <laughs> so I'm gonna move on to the next one. Um, who were your favorite wrestlers during um, that time aside from CM Punk? Aside from CM Punk, wait, no, which time? I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Besides CM Punk, around that time, of course, Randy Orton. Um, almost, I guess, those two. Like, during that time, Randy Orton and CM Punk. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I was still just getting reimbursed. You know, with the world of wrestling, so I couldn't really say I had too many that I just was like favorite favorite. So besides CM Punk, it would have to be Randy Orton because at the time I came back into it, it was more of a cool Randy Orton. I had think they just got done with the the, the legend killer or the psychopath that was snapping and punning everyone. Mm-hmm. So I came in doing a cool, just silent but deadly Randy Orton. So, and I just admired that that about him. He was just always the cool, laid back, get the job done type. So, in short, I guess Randy Orton. Okay. Um, in terms of like history, because there is now there are a couple of times where we've been sort of watching stuff from the past. Did you have any favorite wrestlers from say like the golden era of wrestling? Um Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. He um Scott you know, Scott Hall when he went to WCW, but definitely Razor Ramon, um, Bret Hart. I like I remember my earliest wrestling memory was him making his way to the ring for some match with the shades and um so yeah those two um if I had to go back snap so old as far back as Ray Ramon let's say during the attitude era I was a rock guy as opposed to stone cold but as I got older and fell back in love, I kind of shifted more to Stone Cold because I, you know, after rewatching it with a more mature mind, watching the things he was doing, it was just as entertaining as The Rock. It's just that his charisma was, was different than The Rock's. You know, mm-hmm. The Rock's is easy for children to like him because the way he delivered the stuff is so animated. But it's like the way Stone Cold delivered everything. You know, it's more geared towards, I guess you could say more geared towards the adults mm-hmm. type way of thinking. So, I guess those would be my answers of that. Okay. So, around the time where we first connected, which was like around 2012, WWE was preparing for their 1000th episode of Monday Night Raw. Is there any moment um, from that build up time that you remember or cherish? Um, my, let's see, 
I remember Rikishi coming back and dancing with the Usos. Mm-hmm. So that that stood out to me. Um, the whole love triangle, Rubik's Cube, <laughs> whatever of all the AJ Lee with the CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, all that back and forth. That was that was great. So, mm-hmm. And of course, during the build up was when me and you first started talking. So. Obviously, so yeah. Okay, so what was your favorite moment from the episode itself? Because we, because around this time we were sort of watching it together, even though we really weren't together together because I was gone. <laughs> but we did watch it. So what exactly was your favorite moment from it? <clears throat> from the episode itself, mm-hmm. um, CM Punk. Clotheslining the rock and the rock selling it better than anything I've ever seen in my life. The rock legitimately looked like he was dying from <laughs> like this clothesline. He made a clothesline seem like the most devastating move ever. Like despite it, this JBL, he does a clothesline from hell. And Despite how devastating it is, the way The Rock sold CM Punk's clothesline was—you would have thought it was—it would have been called the clothesline from hell. So that is definitely one of my most—you know—my favorite part. Um, of course, I enjoyed the AJ Lee wedding because that was just a train wreck, train wreck within a. Not it's quite the old fashioned WWE way, you know, so that was great. And the Heath Slater getting destroyed by all the legends, which mm-hmm. was also part of the build up. It was just like the big grand finale, but yeah, mm-hmm, because he had been fighting all those OGs all that time, and then it just led up to him fighting, like, wound up getting beat up by Lita which I particularly enjoyed um (laughs) and I remember how you really didn't like um how you really didn't like AJ getting married so that was pretty funny yeah that that stressed me out but it worked worked out it worked out for the best for everyone involved including me yeah (laughs) okay so how do you feel the landscape of wrestling has changed since 2012 and has it changed for better or for worse? Well, depending on who you ask, <laughs> your coach going to get different answers. But in my humble opinion, it's actually changed for the better. Mm-hmm. The women get way more opportunities now to be in meaningful storylines as opposed to just eye candy or the prize type storylines they actually get a chance to wrestle matches and show off their ability in ring as athletes and not just crazy people that pull hair and do one or two moves in the match over like the like the days of every women's woman you know women's match being 
30 seconds or less are over. And the only time it's like that now is once every blue moon. But if it does happen, it's specifically meant for story development and not just all we're giving the women is 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Just because. Just to say we had a women's match. Mm -hmm. It's like now, if they get 30 seconds in a match, it's because it's meant to make usually the victor seem extremely dominant to the point where it's like, yo, she doesn't need long to take out the person. So that way, it's changed. Um, Storylines, they... They've changed because even though more storylines are beginning to blur the line between just is this real or is this just for storyline. Like they they're getting back to being more personal. And I feel like it was a point where it was like the storylines were kind of just same thing, rinse and repeat. But now it's getting to the point where it seems they're more realistic storylines. Like, you can see this is why this person is doing this. You can see why this. And also, at the same time, they're blurring the line more. They're bringing actual personal life issues that aren't just stupid drama, but just legitimate, like, personal life issues into the story. So... Hmm, okay. Um, now we're going to switch gears a little bit and sort of talk about something that is sort of affecting everyone at this point, And that's, of course, the crisis is going on with the pandemic. Um, I want to ask you, how has the COVID-19 crisis shaped how you watch wrestling? And do you miss the live shows? Okay, I know for a fact that this is an unpopular opinion. But I've been enjoying no crowd to limited crowd shows an immense amount like at first with most people I was going I was afraid that by the audience not being there it was going to hurt and make it be more boring or something like that Mm -hmm. but for me it did the opposite I actually enjoyed the um I actually enjoy the fact that the audience aren't there now because now promos and wrestlers are talking to one another you actually have to focus and pay attention to them now you like when the crowd is there the crowd is usually chanting to drown out the the wrestler that they don't want to hear they'll either boo them and they can't get their point across they'll chant what after everything they say to the point where the crowd is almost a distraction and makes it harder for the wrestler to get the point across but now that there's no audience or a very limited now, the wrestlers can now just cut a promo and just talk about what they need to talk about and get their point across and uninterrupted. And it helps with the storytelling. Like, it's moments now where silence helps with the drama and the tension. They can get serious and show certain type of emotions that they couldn't normally do when there was an audience there because the audience of course will be yelling and saying things that takes away from the seriousness of the moment sometimes and in regards to the match it's also great because 
see now that they have to really keep the action going full on, head on, full speed for the most part. They don't pander to the audience like after every move. Uh, they they um they don't have to always do a move and stop and try to get a reaction out of the crowd. It's like now they have to do a move and keep the match flowing at a great pace. So honestly, to me, I've. I wouldn't mind. I, I'm, I can't wait for the crowd to come back, but at the same time, the crowd not being there didn't hurt my wrestling experience. It actually improved it. You know, to be honest, it didn't necessarily hurt mine either because I knew I was going to watch it regardless because that's just how I am. I don't just stop stuff just because stuff gets unfamiliar. So it's just like I knew I was going to keep watching it regardless, and it has really improved it to me as well. So. I definitely agree with you in that regard that sometimes the crowds can take a little bit away from the storytelling that goes on. So, yeah, this is a safe place to say that. Um, <laughs> so, what is your favorite live wrestling experience, if you have any? Um, my favorite live wrestling experience would have to be... going to NXT and having front row seats. Oh, the second one we went to? Yeah, the second one we went to because mm-hmm. that was just a great experience. I never had front row seats to wrestling. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was NXT, I had front row seats too. was just great because it's NXT. Yeah. The cream of the crop of wrestling at the moment. Mm-hmm. And my favorite wrestler at the moment, uh, Andrade, mm-hmm. he was the current NXT champion, so to see him in full glory in front row was great. And we was able to see a lot of wrestlers, you know, up close and really see that a lot of these blows and punches and kicks that people tend to poo-poo off the wrestling as being fake. Nah, they were connected. Right. So... That would have to be my favorite live event moment. Yeah, I think it's beautiful that you mentioned that because that was where I saw Zelina Vega and fell madly in love with her because I yelled at her that I loved her and she winked at me and I was like, ah! <laughs> and I just freaked the, I just freaked the f out and it was just too much for me to just deal with at that moment. And I've just loved her ever since. So <laughs> that was a great night though because we met the Street Profits that night. We met Ember Moon that night. Like, that was great. In regards to, you know, Zelina interacting with you, I could say the same for when I yell, Tranquilo, and Andrade turned to me and said, yeah, so. (laughs) That was so precious. I was so happy for you. Y'all, he loves Andrade. Um, <laughs> okay, so how do you feel about the wrestling fan culture here in the city of Birmingham? It's, <laughs> it's, hmm. it's overall positive. You know, uh, based off social media, you can never tell. But 
given to the live events that I go to or whenever I do talk to people about it, mm-hmm. it's overall positive, you know, here in Birmingham. So this city, you can tell we love wrestling and aren't ashamed of it, so. Okay. So is there a wrestler that you would like to meet? And if so, why? Uh, how much time do we have? I have a list. That um, it, this this is this is my show. You can <laughs> you can say whatever you want. It's okay. <laughs> if it's a list, it's fine. Top of the list would be simply CM Punk mm-hmm. because he is my all-time favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like that would be a great just time for me. Mm-hmm. Secondly, would be Andrade. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, he's my favorite at the moment, and I would just love that. Mm-hmm. The new day, I would love to meet all three of them collectively. Yes. But if I can only meet one, it would possibly be Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. Because me and him have so much in common from our fandom of video games. Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. So that'd be that he would be my pick from from the new day if I only had to pick and only choose one. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the women wrestlers, um, definitely AJ Lee and Paige mm-hmm. because they started what became the women's revolution mm-hmm. which evolved into the women's evolution mm-hmm. so that would be great and also Mandy Rose <laughs> just because Mandy Rose yeah so yeah those those are my that's I'm just gonna get my short my short form list mm-hmm. for now but if I really had a chance not picky so if I can meet any wrestler in person I wouldn't mind it mm-hmm. I would still cherish the moments no matter who, who it is so. yeah. yeah okay so I have another question do you believe that the wrestling community can be overly negative or critical when it comes to WWE absolutely like the internet wrestling community tends to just come down on WWE for no apparent reason mm-hmm. other than the fact that they're WWE. Yes, they've made mistakes in the past or, you know, did things that the fan base probably didn't agree with in the past, but they, they it's like the current wrestling community tends to let that overshadow all the good that they still continue to do. And it just, it just kind of becomes, it it bothers me from time to time because I see that it's a bias as well. It's like the things that WWE do that people complain about and get them grief for. Like when a newer promotion like AEW 
or more praise promotion like AEW does it. It's met with open arms and it's great. And like I said, when WWE do it, they it's the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of find that unfair on WWE because, like I said, WWE has been around for forever. Of course, they're gonna make mistakes and stuff, and you know, but. future of the wrestling business and it could be male or female from any promotion <sighs> this one is actually hard for me to answer because there's so many people who are eligible for that title anyone's game at the moment like there's no one or two people that can be the future this it's it's in one game because anything can happen um but i would have to say from nxt definitely adam cole and keith lee mm-hmm. for the males for the women Rhea Ripley and I want to say Io Shirai mm-hmm. but then when we go to Raw and Smackdown definitely Bianca Belair mm-hmm. she can definitely lead the women's division to, to prosperity or even more prosperity mm-hmm. um As for AEW, Kenny Omega, even though he's been he's made a name for himself in other promotions such as New Japan, mm-hmm. I still feel like the way he's been booked and portrayed on AEW, they still he still has so much more he can, as he puts it, change the world with. Mm-hmm. So those would be my picks of who I think is the future of the wrestling business okay so this is more so about um, I guess us as a whole but I want to ask how would you describe me as a wrestling fan and when we first got together did I overwhelm you with my fandom (laughs) um I would describe you as a wrestling fan as 
glass half full type person. Like, you don't, you don't get too upset or get too critical with what's happening in the world of wrestling. You still find enjoyment out of what's going on, no mm-hmm. matter what. Which, you know, I think that's what me and you have in common. We both we both can still enjoy wrestling without just complaining about it. Like like I previously said, that it seems people tend to do. And did it overwhelm me? No, it was just more so shocking because I wouldn't have expected you to be such a as big for wrestling fan as you are. Really? Yeah, I, I, I didn't see that coming. But life is full of surprises. And, you know, that's what, that's what helped us connect in a big way. So, yeah. It's funny because I, like, I feel like everybody almost says that. It's just like, I didn't expect you to be a wrestler. And I'm just like, what is it about me? That would get off. I I guess that would give off the impression that I wouldn't be, but I mean, I I don't know. Maybe it's just an aura that I just don't understand. Um, <laughs> but um, okay. My last question for you is, what do you think is the future of us as a wrestling fan couple? As a wrestling fan couple. I feel like we're going to be watching wrestling together until the end of days. No Baron Corbin, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. I know it was a little bit of a stretch for you <laughs> in terms of doing something like that, but I really appreciate that you did this for me, and I just want to go on record in saying that you are one of my biggest fans. Um, all the time, every time I post something, you like it and all the above, and it just makes me feel really good inside. It makes me feel like I'm doing something right. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. It was interesting. (laughs) Maybe I'll bring you back. Right, so in the weekly recap, we're gonna talk about Raw and then change it up a bit and talk about NXT and AEW, and we're gonna talk about SmackDown. So we're gonna start with Raw and we're gonna start with the girls because ladies first. Um, <laughs> Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax had a little run in with each other. So Nia Jax came out and cut a promo talking about how she felt like she was the dominant woman in the locker room or whatever, but then Shayna. <laughs> Shayna Baszler wasn't having it, so they challenged each other to a match after they were beating each other up, but then the match never really got started because they just kept fighting, and then as they were fighting, Nia kept throwing Shayna into the barricades, and I feel like this was barricade week because a lot of people kept getting thrown into them, and it was just like, God dang, but you know, I guess anywhere is fair game at this point. And the referee wound up counting them both out. So nobody won this match. This match really didn't get fully started in the ring at all. Um, So I'm assuming that this feud is going to continue for as long as it possibly can. 
And I'm excited a little bit for it, but kind of disappointed because I guess I wanted Shayna, I guess, to go straight for the Raw Women's title. But after everything that's happened with the horror show and Bailey and Sasha and everything that happened on Raw later on that night, you know, it was just, it's a lot. But I'll get back to that in a minute. Also with the women, you had Asuka versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship in that rematch um, to decide who was going to be the actual champion after the shenanigans that took place at Extreme Rules. And Asuka and Sasha Banks actually put on a killer match like they did for Extreme Rules. The only difference was the ending kind of put a little bit of a damper on things yet again. Um, like, I could watch Asuka and Sasha wrestle each other for like days on end and just be satisfied because the way that they know each other and just watching them intelligently wrestling each other was just amazing oscar with how smoothly she transitions into her submissions sasha and all of her counters and all of the um aggression that she has more so more now that she's um more of a heel now more than ever it's just like for everything that oscar had sasha had an answer for it and Honestly, I will never stop saying and singing Sasha Banks' praises. I really feel like she is the greatest women's wrestler at this point. She's the GOAT right now because the way that she evolves her character, not even, and the way that she evolves her wrestling style and how she grows and just gets better and better with time and adapts to each opponent is just amazing. And I feel like. Even though the matches have been amazing, I almost feel like the endings have sort of put a damper on how great their matches are. Like, they're so good to the point to where you want them to just have a definite finish, right? You know, you want them to have that one, two, three, and, you know, one of them just getting the best of each other. And there was a point in the match where Asuka really had Sasha near the end of the match, and she was, um, and she had, she had her into the Oscar lock and all she had to do was sit down and lock her in but Bailey who had been ejected from the match you know by Kyrie saying beating her up and taking her backstage Bailey got the best of Kyrie saying backstage and they showed it on the Titantron as Oscar was getting ready to put Sasha Banks away and she was attack and Bailey was attacking and hitting Kyrie saying so hard in the head um, with the garage door that Kyrie was screaming out Asuka's name and it was like blood curling it was scary and Asuka was torn in between beating Sasha Banks and saving Kyrie but she ultimately went to save her friend and got counted out of the match so because she got counted out and because the stipulation is the fact was the fact that you could lose the match and the title based off of count out or submission then Sasha Banks wound up winning the Raw Women's title. So now she is officially the five-time Raw Women's champion and a part of the Women's Tag Team Champions alongside Bayley. So as happy as I am that Sasha is five, is not five belts, Banks. She's two belts, Banks. <laughs> and she's a five-time champion. I feel sad that Asuka, who was given this title um, to win at money in the bank by a pregnant Becky Lynch who valued her more than anything lost the title you know this way like I feel a little bit disappointed in that but then backstage as you saw Asuka sort of reacting to 
Kyrie getting attacked and her being injured and being written off television, like I mentioned in the news and gossipish segment, um, we're probably going to see a rougher, more extremely crazy um, Oscar at this point. And I'm really excited about that. But I feel like the one thing that bummed me out the most about Sasha Banks winning the Raw Women's title is the fact that on SmackDown, they were sort of insinuating the idea of Sasha Banks maybe turning on Bayley for the SmackDown Women's title. So now that they have all the titles now, it's almost like everything that I had kind of wanted for SummerSlam to happen for Bayley versus Sasha Banks because I've been hankering for them to have a rematch ever since the NXT takeover in Brooklyn they did in 2014 which was or 2015 which was a classic it's like I've been wanting them to get back together and scrap it up but now it looks like that's not gonna happen and they're just unstoppable with all the titles now and I just don't know. I, I, I assume that maybe Asuka's going to try and get her title back or I just don't know at this point. So, yeah, Sasha and Bailey are basically ruling the women's division and people online have had issues with it. Ember Moon went on went on record by saying that she kind of has an issue with the fact that there are so many women on the main roster, you know, who could have a chance at the titles. But they've been put on these two other girls but I mean you can't say that Sasha and Bailey haven't really been you know entertaining because they have been and they've been given the ball to run with this so hey it's good but who knows where it'll exactly go but I was really hankering for Sasha versus Bailey but I guess they're probably just gonna make us wait for that so that's all that happened with the women on Raw um with the exception of Raw Talk, which took place after the show, and then Charlie Caruso and Zelina Vega got into it on the show because Zelina hates her, and she also kind of hates the fact that Angel is showing Charlie Caruso all this romantic attention, but, you know, they're cute, and I'm shipping them. So <laughs> there was that part. So that's all that happened with the women. Now, with the men on Raw, Randy Orton opened the show with a promo talking about how much he had accomplished and how and he basically likened himself and compared himself to past stars like the rock and stone cold steve austin and ventured to even say that he has that he is even more consistent than they were which is true because he really hasn't gone off for a long periods of time to because of a break or because they went off to do movies or stuff like that like randy orton is if if he's not anything else he is consistent and he said that something was missing, but he didn't realize it until then. And he wants the WWE title back and he wants to fight Drew McIntyre. And he mentioned how McIntyre basically earned his respect after he beat Brock Lesnar at Mania. And he had, and Randy Orton challenged him to a title match at SummerSlam. So it looks like we're going to be getting that. Also with the men, we had the Viking Raiders versus Ricochet and Cedric Alexander versus Angel Garza and Andrade to become the number one contender for the Raw Tag Team cha Championships being held by the Street Profits. And this match was amazing. It was really good. And I was kind of scared that maybe Andrade and Angel weren't going to be a cohesive unit because as of late, they've sort of been, you know, up and down with each other. But there was a point in which you know they were able to work together you know pull it together and they were all all the tag teams were wearing matching clothes 
but they were all working together as a unit and garza finished off cedric alexander with the wing clipper so now andrade and angel are the number one contenders for the raw tag team championship so they're gonna fight at SummerSlam, and i'm kind of excited about it because um i didn't want to see the street profits really fight the viking raiders again and it would have been nice and fresh to see them fight ricochet and cedric alexander seeing as they were riding the high of them winning their match a couple weeks ago with um mustafa ali who had returned but it looks like it's angel and andrade's time so who's who knows they might win they may not win um honestly i think it, it will be funny if the match happens and then Zelina Vega gets overly zealous at um, Montez and then Bianca Belair comes out and proceeds to kick her butt some more, which will be hilarious. But, you know, who knows? So that's going to be interesting. And then Dominic Mysterio, because it's all about family, confronted Seth Rollins. So Seth Rollins came out to do one of his stupid sermons. Um to address what happened to Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black and how he wanted stuff to be different, how he didn't want to have violence with Dominic. And Dominic was looking really mad, like he was ready to kill Seth Rollins. But then of course, Mr. Messiah offered to mentor Dominic, but then Dominic wasn't having it and he <laughs> tackled Seth Rollins with no fear. And then Buddy Murphy, of course, was out there. So he helped and basically helped beat up on Dom and they slammed Dominic into a barricade yet again and into the side of the announce table as he was getting yelled at and Rollins was acting like he really did want to you know blind him with the steel steps just like he did his dad Ray but before he could do anything else Alistair Black ran down and tried to help but then he wound up getting a curb stomp and Buddy Murphy was struggling a little bit which i thought was a good bit of storytelling here buddy murphy is struggling with you know whether or not this is the right thing for him if if he should be out here being one of seth rollins's disciples and blinding people but he went ahead and went through it and tried to destroy alistair black's eye but then dom came out of nowhere with a kendo stick and beat the crap out of these guys beat the crap out of seth and murphy with no fear and left a mark on seth's back because seth did take a picture of it and put it on instagram it was rough looking and it was so cool because i'm just like whoa dominic whoa but i just don't know where this is gonna go i don't know if this is gonna lead to ray possibly fighting in another match with seth rollins or if this is going to lead to Dominic fighting because something I've been interested in seeing since last year's Survivor Series program with Rey Mysterio and Brock Lesnar is watching Dominic possibly wrestle because he's been in the wrestling business for a long time you know we remember him if you're a diehard fan you know Dominic was a little boy and he was brought on television in the segment with Rey and eddie guerrero as they were arguing who had you know who would get custody of dominic because you know oh, dominic's my son dominic's my son it was one of the last big feuds that eddie guerrero had before he passed away and 
you know, Dominic has grown up around the business so much. And it makes me wonder if he ever did, you know, train or do some Lucha stuff with his dad. So now it's like even since Survivor Series of last year where he did a double 619 with his dad and did a frog splash. I was just like, so is Ray grooming him to be the next great Mysterio? Like, how cool would that be, you know? But then again, I have this weird, sick fantasy of every wrestler's child becoming a wrestler and carrying on a legacy name. So, <laughs> I'm just biased like that. But I just think that would be really cool. So, go Dominic. Go Dominic. Go Dominic. Anyway, um, Mustafa Ali fought in a match against Bobby Lashley. And, of course, you know, Bobby Lashley's going to come out there with his Hurt Business friends, um, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin, who's now the 24-7 champion. And this match was pretty interesting in the sense that you had um, the almighty Bobby Lashley, who's more power-oriented in his approach. And then you have Mustafa Ali, of course, who's an amazing cruiserweight, making his return in his first singles match since he's back from his injury. And... Ali really did put up a good fight, but ultimately he wound up missing the 450 splash and Lashley put him into a full Nelson for a submission victory. And I found it kind of ironic and weird that um, Mustafa would lose his first singles match up against Bobby Lashley when he's just returned. And it makes me wonder, are they really pushing him for something or are they just having him sort of, you know, be... Uh, a buffer to make the Hurt Business look strong at this point. So, I don't know. It was just an odd choice. But then again, with the way that they're beefing up the Hurt Business as an actual faction, it's just, you can kind of understand why they did that. But at the same time, I kind of want Mustafa Ali to just win everything because he just got back. So, that happened. And then Umberto Carrillo fought Murphy. And Umberto is basically serving as another ally to Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black but honestly um Murphy showed a lot of his ability here even though the match was relatively short um I feel like once Murphy gets out of the whole disciple role with Seth Rollins they'll he'll be able to truly flourish a whole lot more as a star because he's great and I've actually seen him in action live before and it was just um amazing like at that nxt show that me and my boyfriend were talking about um we saw him fight alistair black and the hits that they were taking from each other just all the amazing things that they were doing it's like buddy murphy really is the best kept secret like you know he was calling himself at first and i just need umberto carrillo to get some character because he has the athleticism he has the prowess in the ring you know but i just need him to get a character that people will actually care about um and he'll go far as well then we had a match with drew mcintyre versus dolph ziggler which basically ended the show and drew mcintyre of course was able to choose the stipulation the same way ziggler was at extreme rules and he wanted it to be an extreme rules match so Dolph Ziggler had the champ sort of, you know, at the beginning of the match. But then, of course, you know, Drew McIntyre, like, turned stuff around with one back elbow to the head. And then he propelled um, Dolph Ziggler into the plexiglass again because this was barricade week before taking out a kendo stick and destroying him. 
So it was kendo stick and barricade night. And <laughs> and then Ziggler hit a low blow on McIntyre, but then McIntyre caught Ziggler from jumping on the apron and then drove him through the barricade. And McIntyre just kept throwing Ziggler around with all kinds of suplexes and ended the match with a Claymore kick. But as he was celebrating his, you know, retaining of his title, Randy Orton did an RKO out of nowhere on him and basically held up the title as if to say, you know, it's my time to be champion. So this feud between Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre is going to be interesting because you have basically Randy Orton with his old guard 11-time championship self going up against the new guy who's holding up the company as the champion now. And this is going to be really good. It's going to be really interesting. If Drew McIntyre wins, he can say for the rest of his career that he beat Randy Orton. But then if Randy Orton wins, he'll say, yeah, you were a young boy and I did this, you know, and I beat you. So blah, blah, blah. I'm the legend killer. I'm the viper. You can't beat me, blah, blah, blah. So (laughs) Raw was definitely interesting. So now we're going to go to AEW slash NXT. Right, so in this new recap part, I'm gonna do I'm gonna discuss NXT and AEW, and I'm gonna start with AEW first. And I'm gonna discuss something that I found very intriguing, and it's the fact that Ariane Andrew, who was formerly known as Cameron in WWE, if you remember her, she was a tag team partner with Naomi as the Funkadactyls, but then when they transitioned into more wrestling during the Divas era. She was her tag team partner until they decided to break up and she decided to be, you know, a solo act until she left the company. She debuted on AEW and now she's the um and now she's a tag team partner with Nyla Rose, whose manager is Vicky Guerrero. And I thought this was really interesting because it was funny because on Twitter, Naomi had insinuated the idea of her and Cameron getting back together. Um, well, a- Ariane Andrew sort of getting back together and winning the women's tag team titles in WWE. But since, I guess, in the time since that's happened, Ariane has decided to go to AEW, which I guess is sort of a land of opportunity for them. So congratulations to her and her debut. And I'm excited because she's going to be participating in the women's tag team um, tournament that they've got going on in AEW. So I think that's cool. And also, you had the debut of Matt Cordona, who was formerly known as Zack Ryder in WWE, who was saving Cody Rhodes from being beat by um, the Dark Order after his um, TNT Championship match with Warhorse. So we had two really interesting debuts, you know, take place. And then we have one more that's about to take place in the form of Tanura Kanchi, who used to wrestle in NXT as a black belt and now she's going to be participating in the women's tag team tournament um, per Chris Jericho, who decided to tweet that information out. And I was a little bit sad because she was um, sort of let go apart. She was let go as a part of the mass firings that um, WWE did earlier this year. And I was sad to see her go because it seemed like there was so much potential that she had in terms of character work and also her action. But, you know. Here's hoping that she winds up, you know, doing more of her best in AEW. Also, you had MJF who decided to cut a promo on 
John Moxley, aka Dean, also known as Dean Ambrose. And he was talking about how he wanted the audience to use the hashtag MJF2020 and hashtag NotMyChampion. And he cut like this really, really, really hot take promo on John Moxley and called the company less of less of a revolution and more of a dictator under the reign of a guy who came from the land of Titans because that's throwing shade at WWE and because apparently that's the only thing that people can find to do on that show. And he also accused John Moxley of cosplaying as Stone Cold Steve Austin and criticized him for championing for championing a dangerous style and claimed to draw better ratings than the champion. And he added war, famine, and global warning to warming to the list of Moxley's offenses. Now, as much as I understand that MJF is probably one of the best heels that WWE, well, not WWE, I'm sorry, that AEW has to offer at this point, and basically one of the best heels in wrestling, period. I'm just not a fan of the idea that anyone on AEW can just cut a scathing promo and when they cut a scathing promo it's to throw shade at WWE over and over again and as much as I understand that you're competing with one of WWE's brand shows in NXT you don't see anybody on NXT throwing shade at AEW at all they're constantly looking and wondering for like looking for ways to raise the bar in terms of wrestling you know on their brand but yet AEW just finds shock just tries to get shock value and get you know retweets and stuff from people because they say mean stuff about WWE and you and MJF did sort of mention how AEW has sort of become like I don't want to, I don't even want to say like a rehab, but sort of become like this place where WWE stars who didn't really get a good footing can go to now to sort of, you know, start over. But at the same time, you know, like, why are you mentioning that? It's just so annoying because as much as I get that they're your competition, you don't have to constantly mention them all the time. It's almost like everything WWE does, you're bothered by it because you keep mentioning it every week. And that can't be the only thing that y'all can find to talk about. It's annoying. Like, chill out. Like, it's just like I was telling um, Mr. Black from the Jobber Sears podcast, shout out to them. Um, if AEW was less hateful and less angry, I might watch them because of the fact that they have so much good stuff to offer, but yet they focus so much on what the other company is doing that they can't focus on what makes them special. And it's annoying. Um, and I don't mean to railroad any AEW fans. I mean, if that's your niche and if that's what you love, if you love AEW in comparison to any other promotion, then more power to you. I absolutely respect that. But I'm just speaking from my perspective. If AEW was less angry and more focused on what makes them special, then and they were less focused on being petty, then maybe I would give them a chance. Maybe, just maybe. So those were the things that happened on AEW that sort of caught my attention. And now we're going to go to NXT. Okay, so now we're going to discuss the happenings of NXT on Wednesday. Um, so NXT started with a tag team match with the women. 
between Tegan Knox and the NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai and Candice LeRae. So, how about Shirai was trying to make her way out for her entrance, but then Dakota Kai attacked her from behind again. And then Tegan Knox and Candice LeRae joined in on the fight. So, the referee called the bell, and the match finally just got underway. And then Tegan and LeRae had the first exchange, but then Candice LeRae, who's being more aggressive now since her heel turn, was beating down like Tegan Knox, and it was like really bad for um for a while. And then they tagged their partners in at the same time. Then it was Dakota and Io, you know, fighting each other. And it was like amazing. So then there was a point where Dakota and Candice LeRae, you know, kept their kept them cornered with quick tags and double team moves or whatever. They were trying to keep they were trying to keep the keep the opposite team from tagging one another. And then the baby faces finally um, built some momentum and the champ hit Dakota Kai with several precise kicks as she does before dropping her on her head with a German suplex. And then Tegan Knox was able to finish the match with the shiniest wizard on Candice LeRae before Shirai finished her off with a beautiful moonsault for the win. So you had the baby face tag team of the women's champion EO and Tegan Knox beat them. And it was really great um, seeing Io Shirai get the advantage over Dakota Kai, who had been attacking her in recent weeks. So that was really cool to see. And then also with the women, we had a somewhat short match between Shotzi Blackheart and Mercedes Martinez, who is newly of the Robert Stone brand. And there was a point where Blackheart really took advantage of Martinez in the beginning with several rights to the head, but then she was quickly knocked out of the ring. And then Robert Stone, being, you know, a heel manager as he tends to do, was providing a distraction so his newest client could take over. And then Shotzi hit a dropkick followed by a sunset bomb for a really close two count. But then um Blackheart hit some more kicks, but then Martinez refused to be pinned. She kept kicking out. And then there was a released German suplex from the top turnbuckle onto Blackheart and Black and Mercedes wound up winning the match. Now, honestly, I want as much as I love Shotzi, I kind of want her to win a little bit more than she has been lately. But I, I get now that they have to beef up the Robert Stone brand to be a little bit, you know, better seeing as Mercedes had just joined it and she had also just, you know, made her debut a couple weeks back. So, um, I feel like Mercedes looks a little bit out of place with the Robert Stone brand because it seems like the Robert Stone brand is sort of like this sort of Hollywood type branding thing faction and it's they're kind of glamorous whereas Mercedes Martinez is the type of woman who will knock your head clean off you know and she's a little bit more rugged than that but we'll see how that works out so that's pretty much all that happened with the women and then with the men you had Johnny Gargano versus Roger Strong in a clinic of a match and it was funny because you would think there would have been some shenanigans going on because they're both heels they're both bad guys but this match was very mat heavy and it was really good you know they put on an epic clinic and it was just great to see these two you know sort of wrestle without letting their heel personas get in the way of that and that match was really good so 
you know, it was really good. They didn't cheat and there were no shenanigans. No, if only Raw and SmackDown will let, you know, a certain tag team win with no shenanigans, then maybe we'd be somewhere. But anyway, the match was great. Then we had Keith Lee sort of respond to Karrion Cross's challenge. Keith Lee came to the ring and he looked very serious, like like something terrible had happened because he was mad about Dominic getting attacked by Karrion Cross the way that he did in their match. And he couldn't and Keith Lee was saying how he couldn't get past it. He said that Karrion had his attention now, but for some reason, but then after that, Cameron Grimes came out and he is so annoying to me. His Red Dead Redemption 2 looking self. Um he was talking trash about Keith Lee. He said that he would take the NXT title before right before Keith decided to drag him into the ring by his neck with one hand. Um and then before the beating of Cameron Grimes could even get underway the lights went out and then scarlet appeared on the stage surrounded by smoke and she stared at keith lee as cameron grimes tried to attack keith lee one more time but then lee powerbombed him before karen cross appeared on the titantron and taunted him for watching his friends suffer and he gave keith lee an ultimatum if you can give someone like that an ultimatum because who wouldn't be scared of keith lee he's like huge <laughs> he could kill you um and he demanded a shot at the title or Lee would find out what the hard way is. And he promised that all of Keith Lee's friends would suffer. But then Lee, not being afraid, accepted the challenge. So now we have a feud between Keith Lee officially, between Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. And as much as on a hot streak that Karrion Cross has been going on, I'm not ready to watch um keith lee lose to carrion so i'm hoping that keith lee can bounce back on him and basically just beat his tail and let him know you're not finna just walk all over me just because you're new and you suplex people and kill them and you have a scary looking girlfriend so <laughs> so yeah that that's gonna be interesting and then you had a tag team match between imperium and ever rise and imperium has sort of been off television ever since everything happened with the hashtag speaking out um movement and nxc uk has sort of been on a mute for a while you haven't really heard that much about them or from them since that point so now the tag team champions are back on nxc television and they basically beat the crap out of everize in quick fashion but then before they could even celebrate um the before they could even celebrate their win with after the European bomb finisher, the Undisputed Era came and attacked them. <laughs> Literally all four members. You had Adam Cole, you had, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roger Strong attack them. And it was funny because no one has seen Adam Cole since he, or at least on NXT television, since he lost to Keith Lee. So it was kind of interesting to see him sort of insinuate himself in this tag team um environment since no one's seen him since his singles loss so it seems like the undisputed era might have their goal set on the tag team title so they can you know become the undisputed gold people again no the gold prophecy so they can fulfill the golden prophecy again but who knows i'm actually kind of tired of them going for the tag team titles like get somebody else please but anyway then you had a match between Isaiah Scott and Jake Atlas. And this was your regular cruiserweight um, classic. It was really good. 
um, Swerve won with his patented JML driver, and it's good to see him win a couple of matches against Jake Atlas, who's really talented in and of himself. And I'm excited to see him possibly challenge Santos Escobar for the um, Cruiserweight Championship. So that'll be good. Then to the main event was Finn Balor versus Dexter Loomis versus Timothy Thatcher um, for the North American title ladder match um, at TakeOver 30. And this match was definitely a barn burner it was definitely different they had their own unique style so whenever someone different took over the pace would change um i wasn't expecting to see finn balor lose because i feel like here lately it's like they've been sort of stopped starting with finn balor and i thought that that type of booking for finn balor would end with um would end once he got to NXT and turned heel. But it seems like they just keep, you know, putting him in all of these opportunities and he just keeps not winning. And it's just like, what are they really doing with Finn Balor at this point? You know, is he, you know, there to put people over or is he there to sort of, you know, win and be his own star now? The star that he really wasn't that much of on the main roster? I don't know. And then with Timothy Thatcher, him and his um, style is always entertaining to watch because he's um, from the British strong style type of wrestling. And that's really cool to see. But Dexter Loomis is definitely the wild card. And I'm glad that he won. I'm glad that he won because, you know, he's probably the newest and most intriguing star. So he's in the match. And now Bronson Reed is in the match. So they're going to have more of these matches, you know, to see who's going to qualify, you know, who's going to qualify to be in the main match for the North American title coming up for NXT TakeOver 30. And that's all that happened on NXT. And now we're going to go to SmackDown. All right. So we're going to go into the SmackDown recap. So with the women, you had Naomi versus Lacey Evans. There was a lot going on with the women this past Friday. Um, they finally fought and Lacey came out and cut, you know, her regular, you're nasty, I'm not nasty promo. And she promised to embarrass Naomi despite whatever hashtag Naomi has going on. And it seems like they're using them to sort of throw shade at our hashtag. But, you know, I mean, whatever. Throw shade at us, but it proves that you listen. So, um, something that kept getting on my nerves during the match, but... Um, a lot of people do, you know, even though hair has been used constantly in wrestling for years, I guess it's just because I'm just sensitive to the idea of people touching my hair because I'm a black woman and because Naomi's also a black woman. Lacey kept grabbing her hair and tying it in knots over and over again. And it just kept irritating me. Like, as even though I know Bianca Belair is on Raw, I would love for Bianca Belair to just switch over to SmackDown one night and just beat her with the braid just to give me some justice because I just get so tired of her, you know, repeatedly trying to, you know, tie Naomi's hair up into a knot as if, you know, it's an object and it's just, it just bothers me. But Naomi was ready for it and she kept untying her hair. Um, she ducked the woman's right and then caught her for, and then caught um, Evans with a backslide for a surprise three count. And then there was this amazing move where Naomi had hit a, what was the name of that move? It was 
a sunset flip outside. It was a diving sunset flip outside of the ring. And it looked so amazing from Naomi because she had never done anything like that before. But quite frankly, I felt like Lacey didn't sell it as well as she could have. And I think that's been a little bit of a problem with Lacey is the fact that she's somewhat good and she's gotten a little bit better, you know, since she's debuted um, on during a pay-per-view and then also on television but i really feel like you know she didn't sell that sunset flip as well as she could have and i felt like you know that these women should be given a little bit more time to sort of let this you know rivalry sort of stew and just grow a little bit more and fight some more but all in all i was glad that naomi won but i felt like she deserved a little bit more of a decisive victory than that also with the women, um, Mandy Rose was going to take Otis out on a date, you know, for a buffet. And as she was preparing for it and dolling herself up, Hurricane Sonya came <laughs> and smeared makeup on Mandy Rose's face and then kept punching her over and over again and telling her how she's going to make her life miserable or whatever. And then she knocked Mandy Rose down, even though Mandy kept trying to fight back. And she grabbed a pair of scissors and cut off chunks of her hair. And there was a point where Sonya had even pulled out these clippers to use, but then the officials and referees broke her up, broke her up from them. And then as this was going on, um, I believe Kayla Braxton was back there trying to get answers and reporting on it, you know, to Michael Cole and Corey Graves. And the Miz and, Miz and John Morrison came out there to joke about it, you know, and were making all of these weird hair references. Well, not hair references, hair puns. And it was just really funny, but then Otis and Tucker told her, told them to you know just get out, leave her alone. And it was so sad because the the way that the lipstick was smeared on Mandy Rose's face looked like she almost got punched in the nose, and she was bleeding. But that's not what was going on. And you could tell that she was very dejected from what happened. And I'm kind of glad that they've picked this feud back up because it kind of just fell off a little bit and then now it's back. So I'm glad they're sort of picking this back up again. So maybe Mandy Rose can get some revenge somehow because when they were going all out with the feud, it seemed like Sonya was always beating Mandy and I want Mandy to tap into some, some more aggression. I know she's cute and all, but I need her to tap into some female aggression and kill Sonya. And there are rumors going around that there might be a hair versus hair match but quite frankly I don't know if I want that or not I just want Mandy to just get some type of revenge I would prefer if the revenge were you know just solely based on wrestling but if they're gonna do hair versus hair then fine whatever but I would prefer for her to just beat her up and then the main event you had um Bailey versus Nikki Cross for the Smackdown women's title and this match was really good um she started Nikki Cross started off the match really fast but then Bailey just kept ducking her and there was a point where Nikki tried to injure Bailey by throwing her ribs into the steel post and she was just but then with everything that Nikki Cross was trying to do is like Bailey just kept coming back 10 times harder on her and then Bailey hit um, an arm trap headlock driver for the three count and she retained her title. And Nikki Cross was definitely sad and dejected, you know, after she lost like her, I believe now, second opportunity at the SmackDown Women's title. And she was angry about it. And Alexa Bliss was out there um, on ringside along with Sasha Banks being out there to support Bailey. And 
Alexa Bliss came in the ring and she was trying to comfort Nikki, but then Nikki pushed Alexa down and left the ring and, you know, and left her, you know, in the ring by herself. But then the lights started going out and the scary music hit and it was Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend coming out there. And he was staring at Alexa Bliss like weirdly and Alexa Bliss was clearly very scared with the ordeal and then after that was going on she she got hit with the mandible claw by the fiend and then the show went off and it was really scary to see because I'm just like you've never really seen the fiend go after a woman with a um a mandible claw but I guess everybody can get it now so <laughs> that was really interesting considering at extreme rules with the swamp match between him and Braun Strowman um Alexa's face showed up you know as a hallucination towards Braun Strowman saying I know you always wanted to be with me Braun because of all the flirtation that they were doing you know during the mid-smash challenge and on raw whatever so I think it's interesting how this is now taking place and now Alexa is a victim of the mandible claw with the fiend and who knows if Braun Strowman will emerge to sort of you know save Alexa from the fiend's um dastardly deeds who knows but i thought it was a very interesting um choice it was definitely really interesting and it was really scary but you know who knows so and i guess nikki now is gonna become more unhinged than she has been in the past so here we go with that and that's really all that happened with the women on SmackDown. So now we're going to go to the men. The show started with the Intercontinental Championship match between AJ Styles and Grand Metalik, who had Lince Dorado um, by his side for the match. And this match was really good. I felt like the best part of the match was watching AJ Styles sort of slow down um, the quick offense of Grand Metalik. Because, of course, you know, Grand Metalink is known as the king of the ropes and he moves really fast with the lucha style. And to see AJ Styles, you know, sort of take advantage of that and slow down his legs and arms and everything, which he uses as his primary weapons to do his high flying tactics, was really good. And um, after... AJ Styles wound up winning the match, even though even though Grand Metalik wound up doing a really good job. Um, AJ Styles wound up retaining his title. Um, he took a cheap shot at Lince Dorado, who was out there, you know, to support him and help him up after you know he had lost, and he pushed him down. And then after that, he hit him with a Styles Clash. But then um, Lucha House Party, both of them together after the match, found Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura celebrating their tag team championship victory. Um, and the champions sent them away as the party was for champions only. So I guess now them going for the tag titles might be another consolation prize, which I feel like is really good in the sense that the New Day is that as a tag team unit, they're not really take they're not really participating right now with Xavier being out and Kofi being out. So it's time to build up new tag team stars. So I'm definitely interested in seeing Lucha House Party go up against Cesaro and Nakamura. So that's going to be cool. Then we had Jeff Hardy addressing his future. And then, um, and Jeff Hardy, of course, was celebrating his victory in the bar fight versus Sheamus. And 
he headed to the ring and he explained and now he knew that he was on the right path after beating up Sheamus and King Corbin who I guess is now beefing with everybody at a time now came out and mocked um Jeff Hardy Hardy gang and Drew Gulak came out and beat him up you know for even saying that because it's just it's weird because King Corbin has a problem with Jeff Hardy then he also has a problem with um Matt Riddle and then he sort of had a problem with Shorty G but now he sort of enlisted Shorty G to get a King's Ransom in order to beat up on Matt Riddle because I guess Shorty G's broke even though he's a WWE superstar but um <laughs> so it's just it's just kind of interesting um the match between King Corbin and Drew Gulak was okay but they really didn't have a lot of chemistry because they both wrestled two totally different styles and Corbin, of course, got the upper hand against Drew Gulak. And I want more for Drew Gulak. I want him to find his niche and sort of, you know, figure out what it is. Because watching him lose constantly to people over and over again with his ability is just sort of disappointing me. So I wasn't, but also with that being said, I wasn't expecting Shorty G to turn heel. Because how can you have a name like Shorty G and be a bad guy? But I guess, you know this is supposed to be interesting now so hey whatever that's gonna be cool and then we have one of my personal highlights of the night you had big e versus the miz and what's so funny is earlier in the week you had booker t talking about how he feels like big e should change in order to be taken seriously as a future world champion which irritates me because i mean kofi didn't have to change who he was and his smiling attitude with the new day in order to become champion so why should biggie um so biggie came out with his regular new day um intro oh people at home y'all know the deal and <laughs> and he rolled out <laughs> on the um ramp and it was just so cool to watch him do that and he and he was wearing two bands for um two other people who had been victimized by um police brutality or um or just dangerous victimization and he came out and held his own against the Miz and mind you the Miz and Morrison have been out there and they've been a tag team since the Morrison has returned and something that Corey Graves kept alluding to was the fact that Big E didn't have a partner out there with him because Big E had had been fighting in tag team action for like the past four years now and he was always used to having two people out there with him in the form of Xavier and Kofi but he's out there by himself and Miz was out there with a partner but it kept irritating me because I'm just like, you're sitting here saying all this stuff as if Big E doesn't have any success as a singles competitor, you know, before the New Day. And along with John Morrison cheating or whatever, he was still able to be resilient and kick out of all of the underhanded tactics that The Miz and Morrison kept doing. Like there was a point where The Miz kept raking Big, Big E's eyes um, as Big E was trying to do the big ending. And the Miz was on him and he kept and he hit this one move this he he hit a snap DDT and that's where you thought the match was over but then Biggie just refused to give up and then the referee had caught John Morrison trying to attack Biggie and threw him out ejected him and Biggie caught um the Miz in a stretch muffler submission 
and forced a tap out. So literally, Big E tapped the Miz out, and the Miz was perfect was a perfect um, opponent to, you know, for Big E to go over on. And now we're starting the Big E season where he's going to fly through and become his own solo star. And this is long overdue for him. And it's like I said in my last episode, it is Big E's season for better. And it's his season for greater. So we're going to keep manifesting that into the atmosphere. And he's going to do great things. Amen. Amen. So, <laughs> um, then after, really, that's all that happened with the men on SmackDown. So, <laughs> I sounded like I was about to go into something else. But really, that's pretty much it um, on SmackDown. And now we're just going to go to the conclusion. Alright, so now we've reached the conclusion of the 20th episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. I just want to take this time to thank everyone who has been listening to this show since I started it um, this past February. I thank everyone who supported me, who listened to the show, who've never really watched wrestling before or who used to watch wrestling and sort of fell off with it. And to everyone, you know, who is a diehard wrestling fan who's gotten into it as well. I thank you guys so much for riding with me for this long. Um, my journey, I've shared it with a couple of interviews that I've done with plenty of pe with people I've been blessed to sort of talk to in the wrestling podcast landscape. But I was so nervous to start this at first because there was one place where I had started, you know, where I was sharing a lot of my wrestling insights with people, but then I felt like that kind of fell apart. So I was able to start this thing and it became something that organically just started to grow more and more the more I did it. And I was scared at first, but the more I convinced you know, the more that I was able to believe in myself and to believe in the value that I have as a wrestling fan, um, the more I just decided to push through and do this show. And I'm so grateful for everyone who's ever listened to it, um, who seek to understand, you know, what's going on in wrestling and, you know, how they can get into it and all the questions that they may have had. I thank you guys so much for supporting me um, through this process. I've reached 20 episodes now and, you know, God willing, I can reach 25. I'll celebrate that. And God willing, I can reach 30, 35, 40, 45. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but either way, I'm just grateful I've gotten to this point. And I'm just going to celebrate that. And I also want to thank my guest, Najakwin McCoy, my love for coming on the show, because um, before I even wanted to do a podcast, when we got together in 2012, he was one of the people who loved to listen to me talk about everything not even just wrestling but just in real life like you know with him asking about my day and just wanting to hear me discuss it in detail and with him you know just being concerned about me and wanting to hear my voice even you know read and all that other stuff so it's just he is a part of the reason why this show exists because he encouraged me to want to do it and I just hope that in life you'll have someone who encourages you to be your best self. And even if you don't have a person externally, I hope that you find that person within yourself that makes you want to do better. 
and experience better and experience joy and love and all of the above. And with that being said, I thank Najakwin for coming on the show. Um, and I thank all of my guests who have come on this show so far, JT Funk, um, Prince Adonis, Jared Hicks. And I also want to thank in advance the people who are set to come on the show later on. And I want to thank the people who've had me on their shows. Like, thank you guys so much for that, because I'm really grateful that anybody even wants to listen to me talk, you know, because it, it just means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if you want to follow me and support the show, you can follow me on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast. You can follow me on Facebook at Hardy Wrestling Podcast or Hardy Wrestling with Stephanie Hardy. You can follow me on Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod. And you can also follow me um, and my regular um, social media outlets at Queen Steph Hardy on Instagram, on, on Instagram and Twitter, and on Facebook with Stephanie LaShawn Hardy, because that's my full name. Um, <laughs> and I hope you can watch it watch the podcast the, the new episode on youtube and you can listen to it everywhere you get your podcast apple podcast google podcast on the anchor app um for free you can also listen to it on iheart radio spotify and anywhere else you get your podcast um so this thing is everywhere and hopefully i can continue to give you the best content i know how to give and be able to be my full um, pure unadulterated self and be true to myself and helping others to, you know, put themselves out there, whether they be indie wrestlers, you know, makeup people, anyone, you know, if you know anybody who is a wrestling fan or is, you know, who works in the business, you know, and if you listen to the show, tell them about the show, you know, just tell them about the show. And also, I'm selling t-shirts as well. So if you have a mind to, you know, just message me on my social media if you want a t-shirt. Um, so with that being said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, God. Thank you, listeners. Thank you to everyone who's ever listened to this show. And I hope I can continue to create a safe space for you to um, listen to and share your opinions on the show. And with that being said, this is Stephanie Hardy of the Re Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Love 20. Bye, y'all.